landing your first job as an SEO with Catherine Wanneroo. Hey, it's Iseline. I'm SEO consultant based in Switzerland, and today we are talking with Catherine, and she's going to share her story about when she landed her first job. Uh, so welcome, Catherine. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Celine. So Catherine has a blog. You can find her at techseojournal.com. She got into SEO from a mentorship program with Aleida Solis, and that was in collaboration with the freelance coalition from developing countries that Chima Meje organizes. So Catherine, you currently work as an SEO specialist at Fusion Inbounds, right? And also I've seen you love gardening. <laughs> and fun fact also, uh, you were a content writer. So this is one thing we have in common wow. uh, before you took part in this uh, mentorship program. So can you, you mention on social media that you found a job shortly after the, um, after the mentorship program and the freelance coalition uh, program? So tell us, like, how did it go? What's what's happened? Oh, okay. Um, okay. So um, we rounded up the freelance coalition for developing countries, and we landed up the Tech SEO mentorship around. I think it was um, the first week of August, or around the second week. Yes. So initially, most of us were we were to be paired with some companies as um, interns. Yes, but it didn't work out for me and. I really had to find a job. Like I was usually at the finishing line and it didn't make sense to just give up at that point. So I really had to put all my efforts into looking for a job. And I literally did this by thinking of job hunting as an actual job itself, right? So I, I had a spreadsheet where I dropped everything about my job hunt. I, I created columns for the job, each job I applied to, the person of contact, the status of the application, the date of contact, and how I found the job. So it was a mix of um, cold emailing and a mix of actually applying for jobs that were open, yes. So, and I applied for, I think, 14 jobs in total, and the eight, the eight one, yeah, clicked. I love how you are very practical, like with the spreadsheet and really uh, following up on the process. And like, how did you do? Because sometimes we hear, oh, you have to show a portfolio when you apply or this kind of thing. But when you start, of course, you don't have a portfolio yet. So how yes. did you manage this? Okay, that was actually a really big challenge for me. So like, as you mentioned, as a beginner, you don't really have much experience and everything. You can say you know how to do some stuff, but in actual sense, you've not really done it. So I initially, during the mentorship program, I had a, a blog, the blog I talked about, where I was like writing a couple of things about what I've done. So I, I was experimenting with a friend's website And I think the first post I made was about um, page speed optimization. So I, I experimented on their page and got their um, mobile speed from, I think, the 40s to the 90s. So it was a big deal for me at the time. And I wrote down the steps and everything I had done. Then I also made another post on how I found them um, 404 pages that was um, costing a company around, I think, 500 or $1,000 monthly, I, I really can't remember. So I, I just posted all that there and during the mentorship, I was also sharing my journey. So from going from knowing nothing about technical SEO to knowing just a bit. So it was like um, showing the community like, okay, this is my journey and this is how far I've come. So I, I 
added the link to this blog and my social media um, profiles into the CV. And I can remember that at least three people I reached out to for the job actually complimented me and said they, they reached out because they liked what I was doing on my blog and it really showed I had potential. Was it a simultaneous thing, like you were job hunting at the same time as you were uh, trying stuff out on the blog and writing no, article? Or? No, no, it was one at a time. So I, we finished up the mentorship program first. So as I was doing the mentorship, I was writing those things. Then at the end of the mentorship, I started applying for a job and referencing those things I did during the mentorship on my CV. Right, yeah. So you really used the opportunity and the work you did during the mentorship to apply. Yes, that's right, that's right. Excellent. And how you mentioned the, the spreadsheets where you listed the job you wanted to apply to. How did you choose the companies? What appealed <laughs> to you? Okay, I had I had some requirements I was looking out for. So, okay, the first was um, each day I had to apply for a certain number of jobs, right? So for me, it was three. And that's a bit low, it's a bit on the low side, but I focused on three because I, I really wanted to go for the jobs that gave me the best chance of landing them rather than just casting a wide net. So the opposite might work for someone else, right? But this is what I thought would, was really good for me. So I also had things I was really looking out for in a job. We had to have more requirements on the technical side rather than the content side. And it also had to be 100% remote. So I was seeing some jobs, they were like um, remote in the United States, remote in the United Kingdom, but I'm in Nigeria, a developing country. So I didn't have that opportunity to migrate to other countries. So the job had to be 100% remote. It had to be an entry-level job or a junior job. And it had to be a job that was more on the technical side. So I tailored my application to each employee's employer's requirements. And I went just, that's how I went. Right. So there was a, a great deal of awareness before you actually started the job hunt. Like you had your list of criteria, very process of what yes. you wanted to do. <laughs> And that's really interesting that you took this leap of faith to go for technical job where you you were not a junior on the content side. So you could have gone for content SEO and had wide experience already. Why this choice? Uh, I like to say I, I fell in love with technical SEO, but that's a bit uh, it, it, that's a bit cheesy. So, but the the truth is, I really loved technical SEO. I know maybe Alida did a great job, and she made us all, all in all our minds. We just had to land the job that had more technical requirements. So it was really great, and I wanted to transition totally from the content side to the technical SEO side. So. I just wanted to give it a shot. If I've come this far in the mentorship, it does make sense to see to the end rather than just stick to a familiar territory for me. That's how I looked at it. That's interesting. And it echoes um, actually Joe, who is in another podcast that also mentioned this idea of, uh, you know, grabbing the opportunity and going really to, to the end yes. of, of it and really trying everything <laughs> yes that's like for me it was not it was a i i really need to get this like i said job hunting for me was an actual job for me i made it a job it was something i at the end of the day i had things i had to take oh did you get to this particular number of applications in a day have you checked um the status of the application have you done this it was a full-time job for me at that moment because i knew it was really important for me to land a job at that moment And how long did it take? 
It's the a, actual job hunt. It took um two weeks, three weeks stop, two weeks and a few days. Yes, two weeks and a few days. That's fast. Congrats. That's <laughs> Thank awesome. Thank you. Yes, it was. <laughs> you it's really a... put the effort out there. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. This was really cool. But how did you manage? Like, was did you have like a good mood all the time? Was it no, awesome? No, no, <laughs> no, no. It was not. It was not awesome all the time. Trust me. Like I, most of my colleagues at the time had started their internship in different companies and yes it was a bit of a downer for me because you're happy for them but at the same time you feel so sad because you really can't join them in that experience right so we were like i think three that didn't have an internship at that point and it was just like it's just us against the world and to me i was having high moments and really low moments so one moment i'm motivated like i need to do this then the next moment i'm really feeling so sad and especially when i don't hear back from most of these companies i reached out to but i really had great support so that really helped me to get through the low moments so yeah it was not all cherry and happy moments and stuff i really had that moments too And as you mentioned, when looking for jobs, sometimes you don't hear back and sometimes you have rejection letter. How how did you deal with that and still carried on, you know? Okay. Um, I think one thing that I'm an overthinker actually. So one rejection mail can seem like, oh, I'm not good enough for this. Definitely if they're saying they don't want me, then I'm not doing this anymore. But I think what really helped was looking at it like something I needed to do. Right. So at the end of the day, whether I had one rejection or two ghosting, the next day, I just know I have to reach three applications, whether I wanted to or not. It was just something I had to do. So I was not really trying to soak up in the mood and stuff. I just had to keep moving. I love how you how you reframed for yourself, you know, the actual job hunting, how you were like, oh, job hunting is a job. And yes. then, oh, this is not me. They reject. It just <laughs> happening. And you just go on. That's, it's really impressive, this awareness, like, you know, to go on. Yes, yes. Yes. Because you put your hurt and soul sometimes in the application letters, right? Yes, and and some jobs you're really too into them. Like you, you can literally see yourself in that company, and you're so excited and stuff. Like uh, there was one, so I I reached out to them. They weren't hiring at that moment, but they got back to me that they were considering hiring a junior um, SEO, but they were still thinking about it, deliberating. So. I, I got an offer. I actually got an offer, but I told them, okay, let me get back to you by the end of the day, or I think it was either the next year or so. But when I got back to them, I was like, okay, yeah, I would really like to go ahead with this. They were like, um, sorry, we changed our mind. We are not really, yes. <laughs> God, that was, that was so, that was so, ah, God, I can't even explain it, but yeah, it was a really Oh, that's terrible. Yes, it was. <laughs> it really was. Did you chose like mainly agency side type of job or did you also try to go for in-house type of job? What was your preference? Mm, I, I wasn't really looking at agency or in-house. I was just looking for a job at the moment, to be honest. It just had to be a remote job and it had to be a job in the United States or United Kingdom or Canada because the SEO industry is not really developed in my, in my country, right? like the play the pay is not really is not ideal and the working conditions are not really cool so 
I, I wasn't even considering. What I was just considering was the region. It had to be in the United States. It had to be in the United Kingdom or it had to be in Canada. And it had to be a junior role or an entry-level role. It didn't matter if it was agency side or in-house. Although I would have preferred agency, which thankfully I got because I knew I was going to get more experience on the agency side. And what, what do you see for yourself? Like, do you have in your mind a set plan of how long you stay in that job and what's the next step? Or how do, do you vision? Um, right now, I don't really have a set plan. I, I've not been there for up to a year. I started um, towards the end of August last year. So it's still early days for me, but I've not really made any concrete plans for my, uh, my groups and stuff like that. And for folks who are currently looking for a job, we know that, unfortunately, it's the case for lots of people. How, what do you advise? What, you know, what would you tell them? Okay, so um, for beginners especially, I, I would say, like, you don't have any experience to fall back on, yes, but that shouldn't stop you from really applying for jobs. You can just do the same thing I did, which is to show potential, show what you can do. You can experiment with a friend's website, you can experiment with yours. Just do something that shows that, oh, if I'm given the chance, I can do more. Also, you can go out to job, look at job ads, like on Indeed or on Twitter, there are job ads there. So you can look, if you're, for instance, looking for a job more on the content SEO side, then you should look at the requirements, the common requirements. So some could say, oh, we need someone that can at least do keyword research. So look at those requirements and try to do just something little on that part. Write about it, um, tweet about it, write it on your LinkedIn, because these are things that build up the trust. Like it shows, it makes it easy for people to take a chance on you. So show that you can do this and the rest will definitely align. That's what I would say. Just put yourself out there. And also networking is really important. Like there are many amazing women in the Women in Tech SEO channel, yes. So you can also reach out to most of these people for mentorship or take advantage of these mentorship programs and really build relationship, valuable relationship with people. So when an opportunity comes forward, and thanks, Isalin, because you really did me a solid on the Rank Ranger podcast. Thank you. So yes, when an opportunity comes forward, these people can have you in mind for something like that. So yes, networking and putting yourself out there. And for people who look specifically for a job um, that's not in their country, but because that adds a layer of complexity, right? How, what, how would you help? What would you advise for people in this situation? Okay, so the first is um, know where to look for the jobs. So for me, I was, I was looking on Indeed, but tearing it down to specific locations I was interested in. I was also looking on Twitter. You can use um, search operators. They still work the same on Twitter. So you could be like technical SEO plus apply or join us. Then filter through those jobs to see specific regions. Then try to interact with people from that region to understand what they're looking for. So maybe they, they need a junior, but they have specific requirements or how they do things in that specific country. So try to really understand how it works and how the interview process works and stuff like that. And then try to reverse engineer that like, okay, so we basically like to have our two interviews and we do this this way. Then just try to prepare yourself for that. Or you've noticed that people from this particular company or a region or someone have tweeted like, 
or for juniors, we also look for culture fit assessments rather than skills. Then you have to just go to the company you, you're thinking of applying with and check their values. Does it align with yours? If yes, then you're better prepared for the interview. You know how to position yourself and how the job is going to go. So yeah, that's really important. Do your research. I hear there is a great deal of research and analysis. And you mentioned actually already what was my next line of questions, <laughs> which were, um, so tell us more about after sending the application about the interviewing process and how, how is it most of the time? Like how many interviews do you have tests? What? Okay. Yeah. You know, what so, happens? Mm -hmm. So I've noticed um, there is usually two, two steps of interview. At least that's what I went through. So the first is just to talk to you, to understand the vibe, like, okay, this is what we're looking for. And let's just see if you know how this works. Do you know how, like a, a couple of questions about the job itself and sometimes also skill and um, culture fit assessment, like I said. So they will have, ask you some value-based question like what are three, for example, what are three um, values you really prioritize or um, to understand if you're a team player or an independent worker. So after the first interview, if you do make it to the second interview, it's mostly tests. So I was given a paid test tax in the second one and it was to do a basic site audit. So at that point, they're not really looking for something wow or complex. They just really want to assess what you can do. At least that's why I deduced from the audit. So I did an audit, a basic audit, like what I found on the site, why is important and what we can do about it. So that's how I, I then I arranged them on the order I thought at the time was really important and I submitted that and one of them clicked. So yes, first interview, skill-based and cultural fit-based questions. And second interview is mostly a test tax or a further interview with some people on the team. So I understand what is there to prepare for the second interview. Like, you know, this is technical stuff. This is knowledge. However, the first interview, that sounds really daunting because <laughs> what type of questions when people say cultural fit it can say everything and anything in your experience is is there always the same type of questions or can can you actually prepare for this first interview or mm -hmm. uh, you you can but to get like It, it would be really difficult to know the specific question you'll be asked, but I've noticed that most of these questions have, they have a recurring theme. So they're mostly around the values of the company, like I mentioned. So if they if they are maybe, let's say, result-focused, for instance, they would likely ask a question like, oh, I know you're a junior, but if, if this is this case, how would you go around and check in results for this, or what would you do? And sometimes they could ask you questions about Um, let's say you have an issue with this, who do you go to to report to for this issue, something of that nature, to know how you work in it. I mean, if you say, oh, I'll do it myself, or I'll really go to my supervisor for answers or to know more about it. So questions like that, just check the values of the company and go more, like, try to prepare more around questions about, like, questions around them, work processes, how you would tackle work, time management, Um, working with a team and stuff like that. Those are things to concentrate on for the culture fit part. All right. Okay, that's much more reassuring. So it's really about work processes and sort of behavior when yes. faced with a challenge, yes. this type yes. of that questions. Is, yes. Right. And 
Did you prepare in advance? Like, did you do dry run with your friends asking your questions? <laughs> I did, I did, but it was just on my own. I Before each interview, I wrote down um, some potential questions I think I would be asked. So things like this. And I did it, like, question and answer. My, so if I ask myself a question, I'll answer it. And sometimes I do tend to really ramble when I'm nervous and stuff. So I did those runs to make sure I don't go off points or say something totally <laughs> out of the box. So I'll time myself most of these times to know how how far or how long I stay on a particular questions. Then I think I practiced, I, I'll practice, I literally practice a few days to the interview, then the night before the interview and on the morning of the interview itself. And also I, I usually most times have a couple of questions I also ask after each interview. So when you say practice, it was in front of your computer, you were recording, mm -hmm. or it was in, in your bathroom in front of your mirror? <laughs> in front of a mirror, in front of a mirror. <laughs> in front of a mirror. That's what I usually do, in front of a mirror. And I have another very practical question. So <laughs> because you have to present yourself the best way possible for a remote job. So the setting is actually kind of similar to this podcast now. But like... How is there something precise to do with your face, with your clothes, <laughs> with your hair? Because this is kind of stressing, you know? Oh my God, yes. Um, my sister, has, they have actually told me in the past that I gesticulate a lot. So in the early days, I used to, when I'm talking, I used to do this all over the place. <laughs> But yeah, I learned to position the camera just above my neck. So if I'm gesticulating, this is not going all over the place. It's just below here and I also bring out what I have to wear for that day ahead of time so um, because you're at home is it can be a bit tempting to just stay in your house clothes and stuff but that could affect how you present yourself but if you dress up like as if you're actually going out it does help you to compose yourself a bit and you have to really prepare for everything like if if there is an eventuality that oh this might go out of this or my laptop would not work or something, just prepare ahead. So 30 minutes or at least an hour before the interview, I've already set up stuff and I'm already dressed and I'm practicing like, okay, this is how it goes and this is stuff. So if you're practicing in the mirror, that's another good thing. You will see or recording yourself, you could see if like me, you put your hand all over the place or if you're too like stiff and stuff. So yes, you could use the opportunity to get things up and yeah, really make an impression. Right, so you you dressed yourself and prepared yourself like an interview yes. in person with the shoes. Without and shoes, without shoes, no, okay. without shoes, please, <laughs> without the shoes. <laughs> and you mentioned the the height of the screen. So you have books under your laptop or an, a, a, an external camera just no, for it to be higher. Yeah, it's a webcam, so I positioned it a bit higher, just from my chest oh, area, right. yes, to the top, yes. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. Okay, so yeah, there is really a great deal of preparation for each steps. Did you do some follow-up? I mean, after the interview, is there a rule, you know, like, oh, don't send five minutes, but wait two hours before sending an email or something okay, so, like that? So the follow-up, I was, I was actually winging the follow-up. It was a, um, does it seem right to follow up with this person? In some cases, I didn't follow up, but For some jobs I really wanted, I if I know someone that works in the company, so I reached out to them and there was one I applied for. So I knew someone on the Women in Tech SU Slack channel that worked there. So I reached out to her and told her that I had submitted a, an application on the 
previous with the previous two weeks and I had not heard back from anybody. So if she could help check the status of my application, she was really nice about it. She did help. So she contacted her manager who got back to me the following week and told me that yes, they've seen my application but they were not hiring at that moment. So yes, in some cases following up does help to help you get some closure on, okay, are they ghosting me or is it that they are just not hiring? Because like I mentioned, I was not just applying for jobs that had opening. I was co-demailing to anything that works. I was just putting all of them out there. And following up did help me to get closure in some cases. But in some cases, I didn't follow up. I just don't know why I didn't, but I didn't follow up. Maybe it was just not the right fit. <laughs> yeah, know. likely. But that's interesting. It means that instead of... Uh, actually talking, you know, sending an extra email to the person of it, who interviewed, you checked like the people page to see if there is yes. someone, you know, that you can contact yes, you more can, personally. Because exactly. chances are there, there might be someone in your network that works there. So it would make sense to really reach out to the person and, okay, find out what's really going on rather than to just send and maybe you might never get a response. So this way you do have a higher chance of them getting back to you. Smart. Yeah. Excellent. And there are thousand, like 5,000 of us in the community. So yes. there's great chance <laughs> exactly. that someone yes, yes. is in the company. Excellent. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and now, um, thank you for all of this insight. I see that time is already going fast oh, and yes. <laughs> we As we are here to support each other, do you have uh, something recently, a tool or book or something you, you, you do that really made a difference in your growth that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, so uh, um, I wouldn't say it's not really a book or an article, but it's something, um, some experts that talk to us in the, during the mentorship program and also something I've picked up from people around me. Yeah. So it's, uh, I'll sum it up in a sentence. So it's basically doing supersedes saying so right many times we talk about stuff and make plans about doing something and we talk about it over and over but at the end of the day we know we don't really get to do it but i've realized that you can only get results when you do something you can only get results when you take action rather than when you say something so one thing that has really helped me is to say yes to any opportunity that aligns with my goals and values if it aligns with my goals what i'm looking to achieve and my values i say yes i commit to it And, and just do it. Because like months back, at least a year ago, I would have thought of 1,000 reasons why this podcast wouldn't work, why I wouldn't go on it. But once I commit to it, I can't freak out. I can freak out later, but I've committed to it, so I have to see it through. So if you're listening to this podcast, just pick one thing. It doesn't have to be something great. It could be making your first ever social media post. It could be reaching out to someone in your network and ask if they have an opening. It could be finishing a long-forgotten course. Just pick one thing and see it through. Excellent. Thank you. I love this. I actually thought you would say something like, oh, if you're straight out, stressed out, go and garden and plant something, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> you no. could have. No, I, I think this because it has really helped me a lot in the past few months. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a really be valuable to someone out there. <laughs> Excellent. We love doers. Of course, we do love doers. <laughs> So thanks a lot for joining me for this interview and also for sharing very honestly 
the thing I ask about clothes and hair and stuff <laughs> because nobody cares to really ask whereas yes. when you have an interview it's very stressful it is it is so <laughs> thanks for sharing and of course um, if you're listening to us and you want to ask for the question to Catherine you find her on Twitter on social media and I will link all of that and let me remind you her website it's techseojournal.com Thank you, everyone, for being here. And thank you, Catherine, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That was WTS Podcasts. We're on a mission to amplify women in the SEO industry. If you don't know us yet and you just stumbled on this podcast, go head to our websites. We have many different initiatives, such as workshop and coaching and mentoring and a newsletter. Um, Being part of a community of 5,000 women is something exceptional. <laughs> Trust me in this one, this one and just uh, join us. And uh, I was your host, Iselin. Thank you for being here and see you next time. Bye. Bye.